the, the teaching ministry of Healthy Church, but far beyond teaching about preaching, and we're going to be looking at what the Word of God does as it works through our life, and how we're commanded to engage with the Word working at all times. Just uh, before we begin, a little bit of an update. I, I told you in early January, and this message is available online if you're curious, some of our big goals uh, for the year really revolve around one goal for the year, and that's us growing deeper as the body of Christ. And I'm um, so proud to just report that that work is really beginning. We've launched a deacon ministry. We had 20 people show up last week. They're saying, yeah, I want to be a, a man or woman that's, that cares for the practical needs of the community. We've got another 20 people that are coming around that group to help start them. Uh, we've launched a number of new groups, some of which are still looking for people to join up. Um, we took all of our volunteers bowling a couple weeks ago. Last night, we had a family event at the Linwood Pool and had 150 people there. There's there's just, I was thinking this morning, there's such good things going on in the community as we continue to build relationship, and now as we step into our Syrian refugee drive for the coming month, we get to participate in what God's doing outside of the church walls. But just an encouragement, if you find yourself this morning feeling like, gosh, I still don't belong here, I don't know people, I, I'm hungry, there are opportunities, there are opportunities to grow and, and connect and to continue on this discipleship path, and, and we're thankful for what God is doing in us and through us, it's pretty exciting. Uh, will you pray with me now and we'll begin? Father God, thank you so much for the ministry of your word. And uh, Father, we just pray here in the moments ahead that you'd open our, our ears and our eyes and mostly our hearts to the revelation that you have for us. That we would be people learning, learning about how you've spoken to us through the word of God. Father, we just pray that you would minimize distraction, maximize opportunities for your word to go deep in us as we learn all that you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. Eight years ago, um, pretty much like by the week, eight years ago, uh, I found myself in northern British Columbia on a, on a work trip, and a friend there said, hey, let's go steelhead fishing together. And if you ever steelhead fish, steelhead fishing is, is one of the most difficult and elusive fish in North America to catch, and winter steelhead become the, uh, the high watermark of difficulty. It's cold. We're having issues. Um, it's super, super cold when you steelhead fish uh, in the winter. So it was early February, northern Vancouver Island, and uh, I'm going to just swap here to minimize distraction and maximize opportunity for the Word of God to impact us. And I think I just broke something, but we can fix that. Um, so I found myself early February, eight years ago, a friend says, let's go fishing. I had waders, but that's about it. And um, he talks me into it. And so we, we hop in a raft, and we find ourselves floating down the Nimkish River, beautiful patch of water, um, you know, casting corkies and yarn to catch steelhead. And when you're steelhead fishing, uh, people will tell you a great day steelhead fishing is to catch a fish all day, one fish. That's a great day. There's a lot of days you don't catch anything. And so I'm kind of there, like I'm there, but I'm not there. You know what I mean? Like I'm there, uh, and I got my waders on, but I was, I was so aware of what I didn't have. I didn't have the right jacket. I didn't have, you know, he let me borrow his rod. And, and I was just there, I, and, and we get down to, the, we float down this river about, you know, maybe a quarter mile, and we stopped on the sandbar, and he's like, they're here. They're right here. Like the thing you've been waiting for is right here. Like step out into the water and cast, I'm going to show you what to do, and you will catch the elusive winter steelhead. And, and I didn't do it. 
I mean, that's, that's a long story short. I, I, was, I was too cold. I was, too, I was like, well, no, I'll just kind of stand here on the edge, and I'll try to cast. And I got hung up, and then I got frustrated. And, and he was patient, and he warned me. He said, you're going to miss it unless you step in. I didn't really believe him. And I'm like, well, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and take the cast? Because I'm like here kind of like feeling sorry for myself. And he's like, suit yourself. And he stepped into the river. And on his third cast, about a 19-pound, beautiful, chrome-bright, winter steelhead, fought it. We brought it in, released it after we took photos. It swam on down the river. It was the last fish we saw all day. What's the point? You've got to step in sometimes to understand the fullness of the experience. This is true with fishing. This is true with our faith. And this whole series, we've been looking at the elements of the body of Christ. One can't be elevated above the other. All of them come from Scripture. And sometimes churches do that. Like, we're the teaching church. Or we're the service church. Or we're the relationship church. And though we don't do anything perfectly here in no matter, our hope is just to be the church. And this element of the word working in our lives, both through public proclamation and the proclamation of us on mission, is absolutely center part of healthy gospel community. This is what it looks like to be part of the better body. And, and as it is with fishing, so it is with faith. That's why I loved Heather's story of uh, Heather Wall, who's leading this volunteer-led Syrian refugee drive where we're uh, collecting baby carriers with a group called Carry the Future and then household items with a ministry called World Relief to just be a blessing to people. God was working on her life. She heard some sermons. She saw the news. She, she was, and she's like, I can, I can do something. And she rallied some friends, and now, voila, we're doing something for the month ahead. What's the point? The point is we as God's people need to be people that are stepping in. Our faith moving from the stuff we think about to the stuff that we're participating in. And today, we want to look here in the moment's head about what the scripture says about the word of God working in us and working through us, both individually and collectively. We've done this thing in, in a modern era where, where my faith is all about me and Jesus, and, and we, we preach salvation, and, and as we should, we, we should, but we become a bunch of little silos in a field, disconnected one from the other. And the word of God is always meant to be proclaimed both publicly and privately in our lives so that we're rubbing up against one another and our journeys together influencing each other. And so this is our big idea today in the moments ahead that the, that the better body, Christ Church, has a responsibility to inspire a transformative response and, and equip you, men and women that worship here, to have this habit of scripture in order for you to be proclaiming Christ in each and the every day of your life. This is, what we're, this is what we're up to, that we would be people equipped to respond to Revelation, engaging in Scripture in order that it makes a difference in our lives. And if you've been coming for any time, you know that this is something near and dear to my heart, that we'd be people not proclaiming that which we think about, but speaking about that which we do, practicing an act of faith. So let's begin here. It's actually missing on your outline. If you're looking at your bulletin on the back side of the announcements, the, the first point is missing. It should say, this is the vision for transformation. We need a response to revelation. 
So this is the vision for transformation. It's missing on your outline. It's the first point of outline. We need to be responsive to Revelation. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes this in verse 16. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I mean, if this is a, a sermon about the Word of God, really, I, I could just... I just read Bible verses to you. I mean, that, that would kind of be great, right? Just different, like, hey, just really encouraging pieces of Scripture. Never underestimate the ability of Scripture to empower and convict. And some of the most loving things we can do to share Scripture with one another. And so here, if, if our hope is a vision of transformation, us as people, us as pastors, us as leaders, us as a congregation, we want to be transformed. We want to be changed. We want to be different than how we were. We can't stay how we were. We want to be different. At least I do. I mean, I don't want to continue to fall into the same pitfalls of my own personality, my own sinfulness, my own broken. I don't want to stay there. Jesus, I want you to be changing me so that my life would be a testimony to your grace and your transformation narrative. That's what Paul's talking about. With unveiled face, we get to see Jesus. And with unveiled face, from glory to glory, we're part of transformation. And we, we need more transformation stories. And these, these are the stories that will probably no doubt play before the Super Bowl. Someone that was washed up and got their second chance. Somebody that was broken down and somebody invested. Like we, we hunger for these. You know, the slow music and then there's a narrator. I mean, you can see this play out in your mind. We love, I love these. We want to be part of these. We're just, we don't want to watch other people's transformation stories. If a movie was made of your life, what would they say? Like cue the slow music and the, the panoramic video shoot. And then it's you stepping out of the bus. You know, sunshine down on your face. It's a transformation that you're in the middle of. Paul says to his church in Corinth, we need to be part of a transformation narrative. And so we believe here as, as leaders of this church that belief in Christ would mean growth in Christ, which means continued revelation, which means we need more experiences with the Word of God. If the Word of God is going to change us, we need to experience the Word of God for ourselves. Romans 12, Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. So sometimes you may hear a critique like, oh, the stuff that we think about, unless it moves from here to here, it doesn't matter. On the contrary, Paul's saying the stuff that we think about is, bears witness to that which we believe, but it can't just live here. It's got to move through us. The word working in us and then through us. Paul's saying not to be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's lots of sources of revelation. We know that. You can experience Christ in the sunrise in the San Juans or, you know, a, a great meal with a, with a cherished friend. I mean, there, there's, there's revelation there. There's a little taste of the divine. But nothing, nothing compares with the word of God to reveal God's self to us. Nothing like the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. So our, our primary text for our transformation story, the primary text has got to be the word of God. 
It's got to be the word of God speaking into our lives, challenging us, shaping us, moving us, because this is who Christ was. John 1, the word was with God in the beginning, and the word was with Christ. Interesting, in John's narrative, that, that the word was Christ himself. And so we want to experience Christ. We need to experience him in the scriptures, in the entirety of scriptures. Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so at Bethany, what our goal is, is, is to present the scriptures in such a way to, to, to provide transformation moments for you in your own life. That these moments would transcend Sundays, more than Sundays. That they would show up on a Tuesday or a Thursday afternoon or a Saturday morning. That's why so often we try to fill sermons with a bunch of scripture. And, and why so often Bethany is a church that tries to, aims to teach many times out of the Old Testament. When I came to Bethany in 2003, one of my first one of my first impressions was, wow, I've never heard so much teaching about the Old Testament. And so every Monday, all the teaching team meets with Pastor Richard for two hours. And what we sit around is we study the Bible together. And we share insights and theological uh, recaps. And, and we just dig into together. And it's so encouraging. Men and women, six, seven people around the table, everybody just kind of contributing, studying the Word together. The Word comes alive. This is what the word working in us. Tim Keller, who we're also studying as all the lead pastors, we're reading his new book on preaching, which is a great read. Keller writes this about the preaching exercise. He says, proclaiming, uh, preaching is proclaiming to Jews and to Greeks, preaching compellingly, engaging the culture, and touching hearts. Paul himself, says Keller, wants to reshape the foundations of listeners' hearts. And that's the response to Revelation we want. That this would be more than just Sundays, more than religion, more than a piety, more than just showing up, but that our hearts would be reordered as we gather and proclaim the word. And that this makes a difference into your life, and your relationships, your roommates, your work life, all of it, uh, because of the word of God in us. But two quick warnings we need to hit here. Two warnings as we talk about the centrality of scripture to, to be our revelation for our transformation narrative. The first warning is this, we cannot proof text because the consistency of the word's message is Christ. We can't proof text. We can't take isolated verses and say this is what God means in his entirety because of one verse. There's great danger when we take one piece of scripture and just lay it over the entirety of God's revelation. Hebrews 2.1 says we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away from it. And remember Christ his conviction of the Pharisees in John 5, Jesus says, you search the scriptures in vain, thinking they may contain life. And so our job is to engage the scripture to find Christ there in the entirety, in the whole message, not proof texting. There's, there's a time when, when the Bible almost becomes an idol in and of itself. If the Bible isn't pointing us towards Christ and worship of him, then, then it becomes an idol. People joke that's bibliolatry. Well, the Bible is the revelation of God's text to teach us about God himself. And so we're looking for the grand narrative of scripture. You got to read the whole thing. The whole thing. This is why habits of scripture are so important. Like, I mean, I joke with sometimes, we, we, we love this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And you will look to me and find me when you search me with all your heart. I love that. that that's on many uh, dorm room posters across America. The context of the message, we've said it before. Who, what, it, what is being said to Israel? They're actually in captivity in the moment. 
So does it mean the words don't make sense? It doesn't mean that at all. In fact, they make more sense. But it's always more than just a snapshot. We need to be studying scripture to understand the fullness of God's text. Um, What's an example of that? Uh, uh, Paul's teaching Timothy on women in leadership. I mean, if, if we take that teaching of women, then we should never have women lead. But Jesus himself, think about the woman at the well. He engaged her in conversation in the, in the height of a midday sun to talk to her about her life. I know you. I know your story. And I'm not done with you that yet, even though you've had all these husbands. It was so earth-shattering that the disciples show up and like, what are you doing? You can't, you can't cross social boundaries like that. And he does, and he did. And then that woman goes back to her village and leads her entire village back out to see Jesus. Or Lydia The first European disciple, a woman, used through a home church to be a further for the the kingdom. So we need to make sure that we're getting the entirety of the scripture message and not just proof texting. And this happens when we read. Not just reading verses, but reading chapters and books and seeing how text works together. The second warning is this. It's not the communicator, it's the message. Colossians 3, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's not the communicator. It's the message. We've had the great opportunity at Bethany to have a senior pastor, Richard Dahlstrom, that is literally an expert in the Bible. I mean, I don't know if you're that aware of it, but Torchbearer's ministry flies him around the world four, six times a year to teach people the Bible. He's an expert. But it's not the messenger. It's the message. And we, we, as the church was growing, you know, it was at one building in Green Lake, then we built a new building, and all this happening, that there, there's, you run the risk of it becoming about the communicator, not the message itself. There's a Sunday, I had my microphone on, I was getting ready to preach, I was young, it was before we'd started Bethany North, I'm, I'm preaching this week, I'm pumped, you know, we'd studied together, we prayed, we're ready, and people would walk in, and if it's not Richard with the microphone, people turned and left. You have any idea how discouraging that would be? And some of you are like, yeah, I was thinking about leaving today, but it's not the communicator. It's not. It's not me. It's not, it's not the people that come after me. It's the message. And, and in this way, it's not even the church. It's not Bethany. We don't have a corner of the market of the truth. I mean, 100 years, God's been doing amazing things here, but be wary of people that make it about themselves or churches that draw themselves in the center of every bullseye. The power of scripture should be changing us, men and women, to follow him in the fullness of our lives. And we need good churches. There's lots of them. None of us are perfect. We need the church. Doing life without the church can be quite dangerous and quite lonely, quite frankly. Uh, baptizing people today. We baptized three people. You don't, you don't get to be part of that on Stephen's Pass or in Sunrise in the San Juan. So these moments of inspiration that happen are wonderful, but we're never beyond the scope of the local church. But it's not about the messenger. It's about the message, which is the word of God moving through our lives. In Romans 5, verses 6 through 10, Paul writes this, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm having this love affair with Romans lately. Romans is just, you just want, what is Christianity all about? We read the Gospels, and you can really read the centrality of Romans. It just teaches so much about our our theological stance. Verse 7 of chapter 5 of Romans For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Period. End of story. 
So all of us got a second chance we didn't deserve. Why? We were still sinners. Christ died for us. Much more than verse 9. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So astute Bible readers, you see the same phraseology used twice. This we shall be saved. It's a continuing work. We're more than just, you know, we give thanks and praise when somebody says, I believe in Jesus. That's the reconciliation work. It's salvation. It's the beginning of the story. It's wonderful. You don't start the story without the beginning. But we all are called to be on a sanctification journey. Where we continue, we shall be saved. The Greek word sozo, continuing on. We shall continue this salvation work. We want to be different. I'll put words in your mouth, I'll speak for myself. I need to be different. I don't want to be the same man that makes the same mistakes. Jesus, change me, make me like you. And then we blow it. And we ask for forgiveness, we confess our sins, we continue this trajectory. We're meant to be being changed continually on a trajectory of Christ remaking us. A new friend in the church, she's, she's one of us. They've been coming for, for just a short time, and I met with her and her husband this week, and um, she, said, she said, a lot of the things that you're saying on a Sunday, Scott, I'll be honest, because of all the brokenness that I've experienced, and she's been through a lot, too much. She said, I just don't, I just don't buy everything that you say, but I'm going to keep showing up. And you know what? That's awesome. I just, I told her, I said, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. We just got to keep showing up. It's not, it's not about believing every word of what communicate. No, it's about keep showing up and saying, Jesus, I want to experience you through the, the proclamation of your word in my heart and in my relationships. I got to keep showing up. And so we're praying for her every day that she has a bigger experience with God's saving grace. This is what it looks like. This is the, the vision for transformation. Second point or outline, this is the means of our transformation. The means, of where, where's our revelation comes from? It comes from two specific places. The first is this. We need personal encounters with Jesus. If we're going to be Jesus people, if we're going to be a church that, you know, saw something and so we do something, we've got to experience Christ. We need personal encounters with Jesus. And this is, this is oftentimes with daily rituals. And I don't, know, I don't know about your rituals. I don't know if you're a morning person or a night person. I don't know what you're reading in the Word of God. But we need these personal encounters. If we're going to continue a transformation narrative, we, we need continual to have interactions with Christ. I'm mindful of Joshua 3. Remember Joshua 3. We've talked about this before. It's very powerful. When God saved Israel from the Egyptians, they, they crossed the Red Sea. God did the work. They approached. The waters parted. They passed through on dry, uh, dry ground. But God, in his infinite creativity, as part of the transformation narrative, Joshua, the next leader, the faithful one, Moses appointed. Moses wanders around. He gets up to the promised land because of the sinfulness and disobedience of his people. He's not allowed to even enter the promised land. And now Joshua gets, gets handed the baton. And Joshua, when you enter the promised land, it's going to be different. God tells him in Joshua 3, you're going to actually take the ark, you're going to take a leader from every tribe, and when your feet touch the waters, then I'll part them. You're going to have to step in and participate in a life of faith. 
It's like he's telling the nation of Israel, I'm gonna, I want faithfulness and faithfulness that's moving you to action. So as you step into the waters, then the waters will part and you'll stand on dry ground. We've got to step in. We, gotta have, we have personal encounters with Jesus Christ. Not empty religion or going through the motions, but just showing up to see how the scripture informs your life. And far too often we find the Bible silent because we're just, we're not experiencing it. And I get it, we're busy people. Never underestimate the value in, in, in just simple prayer. How can I pray for you today? Praying for one another. It takes two minutes. Opening your Bible, reading a psalm a day takes a minute. Again, not checking boxes, but hoping for encounter with the risen Lord. And the second piece we need for revelation is we need encounters with various teaching ministries. It's, it's more than just sermons. We need experiences with the Word of God in a variety of contexts. Tim Keller, if I had more time, I could explain this in more, in more depth, but just go with me quickly. In his book, Preaching, he, he does a word study of every time in the New Testament the word teaching or preaching is used. And he's, he's kind of concocted this three-level uh, depth of study that when, when we proclaim the Word of God, it happens in, in three levels. So if we imagine the Word of God is the source, level three is public proclamation. This is Acts 2. This is Peter preaching and thousands are saved. It shows up in a number of places of Scripture. It's always how God is, one way that God has communicated the truth of Scriptures in the life of his people. This public preaching has a value. I met with the church years ago, like, you know, we're just going to blow up Sundays we're just going to blow up Sundays. We're going to do community meals. And I just think, you know what? You're missing something. I love community meals. Sundays matter. Matter, matter to, to worship together, to hear the word proclaimed. Sundays matter. So Keller says there's these three levels. Level three is, is this public preaching. But level two is this discipleship word. And he draws this from 1 Peter 4. And the Greek word is lalin. It's, it's everyday conversation, different than public proclamation. So in 1 Peter 4, Peter writes, if anyone speaks, and this is the Greek word lalian, different than proclamation, it's everyday conversation. If anyone speaks, he does as one who has words of God, as words of God. And so Keller's found all these different places in the text where there's this level two form of preaching that happens in our everyday conversation. And then we bring it down a notch and there's a level one uh, level of just kind of every saint and minister. This comes from Colossians 3.16. Let the message of word dwell in you to teach and admonish each other. And so Keller studies every time the word teaching is used in the New Testament. He says there's these three levels. There's this preaching and then there's this discipleship moments, these studies Bible studies, men's group right now is a real source of strength at Bethany North. Women's groups launching on Tuesday morning, Tuesday night. We, we need various teaching ministries or even level one where just I'm reading the word of God. It's shaping me. God is speaking to me and then I'm able to speak to others. These three levels. And so if we imagine ourselves, so you get this picture of a river. And the word of God is the source, the headwaters. And then below that is, you know, public preaching and speaking and, and getting the revelation. It's a podcast you're listening to or somewhere where you're just getting some really strong teaching the Word of God. And then we need these other levels too, these discipleship moments, level two. And then in the everyday conversation, we see this in the book of Acts. We have Peter preaching, thousands saved. We have the Ethiopian eunuch later in Acts, and he's reading Isaiah and literally says the words, Who can understand this? I don't get it. And so Philip hears him, jumps up in the chariot. Philip has seen Christ himself, and now he's able to engage in the discipleship moment. And starting at the beginning of Scripture, level two, Philip has this discipleship moment with the Ethiopian eunuch, and they, they stop the, the chariot, and the, the Ethiopian eunuch gets baptized. 
Just like today, earlier, when, we, when we're just ready to say to the world, I'm going to follow Jesus forever, it's time to be baptized. Then later, Paul brings the message of God uh, to Macedonia and preaches the word, and it says in Acts that, that the Spirit of God opens Lydia's heart. Okay, how does God use women? Well, I don't know, the first Christian in Europe was a woman, and from her house became a base of operations where many people were saved. This is the level one moment. We need various teaching ministries. It's more than just, hey, i got to go to church on a Sunday. We need other places with the Word of God, everyone on mission, where the Word of God is, is rubbing up against one another. This comes from Ephesians 4, kind of illustrating this point. That God gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So our revelation is, is the text, and the text inspires us to pursue him more, to be equipped. It's all about equipping. And we're all different. We all have different gifts we're meant to be using our gifts to understand the word of God and be shaping one another. And what's our measurement meant to be until the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ? We're not there yet. We're not there yet. And this is where fly fishing is a suit. I don't mean to beat your head, uh, beat this down your throat, the fishing analogy today. But this is where fly fishing becomes really helpful metaphor. Because anybody that fly fishes, they'll tell you, you're, you're never done learning. You never arrive. You're always a work in progress. There's always a new patch of water. There's a new fly. There's a new cast. There's a, you never arrive. And this, this is from one of my favorite books, River Runs Through It, by Norman McLean, whose father was a minister. He writes this. He says, My father was very sure about certain matters pertaining to the universe. To him, all good things, trout as well as eternal salvation, come by grace. And grace comes by art. And art does not come easy. And so McLean would say, we can love completely what we cannot completely understand. As with fly fishing, so it is with our faith. We don't, we don't have full understanding. We're still very much a work in progress. And we can love God completely, even in the brokenness of our lives. But we need more art. We need more grace. We need more revelation. We need to be changed. We need to be transformed. And this is the power of the word working in us. Because we need authority too, right? We need the authority of God over us. And we had this just, um, this unbelievable thing happen where somebody uh, fairly close to us outside of this town literally sits in a jail cell today. Not because they're a monster, but because they needed authority in their life. They were going to church and going through the motions and pursuing sinful behavior, and they literally are in a jail cell right now. And you're like, gosh, what kind of friends are you running with, Scott? People like you and like me. We need this authority. It's not, we don't come to church to get the, you know, something rubber stamped of just, uh, you know, God just agreeing with all of our decisions. We come to the word of God hoping to be changed, recognizing that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and, and we struggle and there's brokenness and there's pieces that we're not done yet in our transformation journey. We're saying, God, change me. I need your authority over me to make me more like you.
that we would understand how to use our gifts for the building up and the equipping of others. This is Timothy 2, 14, 15. Remind them, remind them, this is us, remind them of these things and charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of yours, but be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. We've got to handle the word of truth. We need this authority over us, changing us, moving us, so that we can use our lives to let the word influence others. My friend Shawnee in West Seattle uh, shared this with our staff at a chapel on Monday. She said, why are you doing what others can do when you are leaving undone what only you can do? Why are you doing what others can do when you are leaving undone what only you can do? And this is where the word of God, as we pray and petition God, starts to be a light for us. God, teach me what you want me to do with my life. And help me speak these words of truth, which I have encountered, into the lives of other people. I'll never forget, it was 2003, and I stumbled into Bethany Green Lake, and there was this, this guy on stage just preaching the Bible. His name was Richard Dahlstrom, but speaking about real church is allows us to be vulnerable with God, changed and shaped on our transformation journey. I, I think my life was changed. So this is what the word working in us and doing us, this is the revelation that we're meant to do. We've heard the warnings. We know we need the encounters with Christ himself. We need the encounters with, with various teaching ministry. We want to be changed. We want, we want the word of God making a difference on our life. And this becomes our third point, that, that this is the, re, the river of life as we encounter Christ in the each and the every day. As we encounter Christ, this becomes the very river of life that we live in. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Provoke, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience and instruction, preach the word. People are like, that's great. That's your thing, Scott. It's not my thing. I hold the microphone right now. I don't know when God would call me to something else, but I hold it with fear and trepidation. But the microphone, friends, belongs to us all. Every one of us a minister. Every one of us a minister. The world is watching what you believe by how you act. And is the word of God changing you and remaking you and shaping you? In 1536, William Tyndale was executed for translating the Bible into English for all to read. It was the the linchpin of the Protestant Reformation. And Tyndale was ready to die for the fact that every man and woman, every disciple needs the word of God. The church didn't believe so. The church wanted to guard the word of God. Imagine dying for the Bible. For many of us, our Bible just, it's just there. You know, when is it? When is it a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path? Are we engaging it? Is it shaping us? Are we encountering it? The word of God working us means that we've got to find ourselves anchored in the story. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, the gospel came not just in word but in power. And so orthodoxy is married to orthopraxy and with power and encouragement we're called to, to step in. And to put these things that we believe in, to, to let the word speak in our lives. Word speaking to us and, and the word speaking through us. This is Mark 16, Jesus' final words to his disciples in the gospel of Mark. Preach the gospel to all creation. If, you're, if you follow me, speak the word. 
And so when cancer comes or, or, or struggle or, or joblessness or just loneliness, when we're already anchored in places of Scripture, we already have some good news narrative for our soul. Far too often people I meet with say, you know, I've just, God's been really silent. And so with them, I just can kind of sit with them and just say, well, tell me more. Are you seeking God in the each and the every day? How is the word working in your life? We've got to preach the word. And ultimately, like I said, in the level three, level two, level one, this is something for each and every one of us in our jobs and our relationships and our service and our living. It was George Fox who says, let your lives preach. Let your lives preach. In your calling, in your families, with your roommates, let your life preach. Engaging the text so that it makes a difference, gives you encouragement for the day. I don't know about you, but I am a different father when I spend 30 minutes by myself in text and prayer. And then when my little ones come, I've got some fuel to feed them with. Or else I'm just working out of my own strength and my own patience and it fails me every time. Engaging the word, letting the word speak to us and through us. That we be people changed by the word. You know, we... We're doing the, the, the refugee drive for the coming month, and it's easy to be cynical sometimes. Like, what's a baby carrier? I mean, yeah, it's, you know, the women are leaving places of conflict, and, and they need these things, but, you know, it just, it feels pretty small. I, there was a story that came out of the coat drive that I just have to share with you. So it's December, it's late, actually late November, people are cold, and they came to us and said, we buy me a coat, and we found out there was a whole bunch of people that were really cold, and so the church, in one of the most beautiful moments of, of five years of Bethany North, and at the 9 a.m. service, we read out of, out of you know, John the Baptist saying, if you have two tunics, share one. We said, we're going to do this thing. And I go out for muffins and coffee, and there's a pile of coats already starting to gather. Ah, oh, they get this. The word working in their life. And so in January, one of our staff people uh, Kim was walking through the coffee shop, and, and this woman, we'll call her Betty, it's not her name, she said, do you like my new coat? And Kim says, oh, I do very much. Where did you get it? It's after Christmas. She said, it was, your church did this for me. And Kim, who's just so warm and engaging, she said, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell people that were involved that we made a difference. And then Betty said this. She said, don't I look beautiful? And Kim said, you do. So which is it? I've got friends in jail cells, and now you're telling me, Scott, the people feel beautiful from the touch of this church. The word of God is meant to be working in us and through us, reminding us of blind spots and places to be changed in our transformation narrative but reminding us that the beauty that we contain is not of our strength, but of Christ who lives in us. And then when we hear that word beautiful, we're able to show the world little pictures that they're beautiful too, and that God's not done with them yet. The word working in us on this transformation journey, reminding the world that through us and through the word of God working in us as his community, that there is beauty. That's a story the world needs so much right now. Will you pray with me now? Father God, thank you so much for reminders from your text of just the power that you have in our lives. We pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of that, that you would give us 
discipline and courage and opportunity for encounter, that we might encounter you, that we'd be people reading your word, reading it with others, exposed to different ministries on, on Sunday gatherings or in Bible studies or with friends, just the courage to open the Bible and that you would speak to us, that we would hear that voice of you saying beautiful onto our lives as we follow you and that you would allow us the courage to speak about you to others, individually and collectively, the word working through us as your people, your church, changing us. Father, remind us and draw us in to the grand narrative of transformation that you're writing in our lives. In your great name we pray. Amen. Today is Communion Sunday and uh, it's a perfect Sunday. Every Sunday is a perfect Sunday to celebrate the sacrament of communion. I like to call our communion servers to their stations On the night of which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he looked at fishermen and sinners and really broken, dirty men and he said, you're beautiful. This is my body. Take and eat. And then he raised the cup and he said, this is the the blood of the covenant, of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink. And so this dinner party was one of forgiveness and transformation, because they got to eat with the Word of God. The communion table here at Bethany North is not a Bethany thing. It's not a saints versus sinners thing. It's just people that want to follow Jesus. And in just a moment, we're going to pray, and I'd invite you to a time of confession in your heart and seeking the Lord. And when your heart is ready, come on down. And take the body, take a piece of the, of the bread or gluten-free cracker and dip it in the juice. And know that you are beautiful because of who Christ is in you and through you. May the word work in your life. And we'll have prayer team members down here. If you just want to pray with someone right now, we have stations on both sides and down front. And we'll move just kind of clockwise, clockwise, the word working right now in the moments ahead. Let me pray for our elements. Lord God, the giver of all things, take this bread and this juice and bring them to life. Father, we confess sins that have been bogging us down. We confess that many times we fail to seek you. We pray for revelation and encounter and ultimately transformation that you would make us new as we follow you. We need that hope and that glory, and that beauty in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your gift of new life. Amen.